Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Brad. Why are you chewing like an absolute sicko? Jeremy, stop it. Seriously. That is foul. What's foul? I'm eating. It's not foul. It's disgusting. Fair is foul and foul even, is fair. Hover even through wa- the fog and filthy ass. Even watching you eat is disturbing. Don't be mean. <laughs> Jeremy? Brad? Let's welcome all of our fans to episode 30 of the Brigity Bro Bobs <laughs> running podcast. Brigity! Wow. Are you on high blood pressure medication? No. Are you sure? (laughs) Your head looks like it's about to explode. (laughs) What is that? It's what is wrong with you? And you're snorting now. It's the statue from the Goonies. It came through. It came from Astoria, Oregon. My friend went there. Okay, why? Why is its penis on? <laughs> so good. I snuck it in there, didn't I? That's what she said. <laughs> oh, buddy. I'm now honestly 100% convinced the reason we haven't blown up is because of every one of these stupid episodes that you're involved with. I have to put it's not made for children. And you ruin our demographics. We, we get demonetized because of your foul language and penises flashing across <laughs> the screen here. Pretty sure that has nothing to do with it. But we're making oh, oh, it. Wait a second. 100% profanity lessens the, uh, what, what is it called? Uh, the algorithm to put you into people's feeds. Okay, well, let's stop doing that then. You can beep us. Oh, 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 sure. Put it on me again. The guy who does everything of the podcast. You don't. You don't bring what I bring, which are the penises and the curse words. Well, technically, I did bring my penis with me. Now we're demonetized, Brad. Thanks for saying (laughs) the word. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure penis is not profanity. I mean, it depends on who you're asking. I mean, possibly cock, balls, <laughs> ding dong, <laughs> wow. schlongs. <laughs> I think, I don't know that schlong would be. That's not a bad word. Yeah. But look, you're talking about how people aren't like latching on to us. Care to tell our viewers who our most famous viewer is at this point? Well, I mean, let's not blow it out of proportion. He looked at one video, one TikTok clip. But Brad, that's a start. It well listen, he didn't he didn't even like it. <laughs> <laughs>
buddy, good. So have you got, so since it's TikTok, I'm assuming that he has TikTok. As Brigity Bro Bobs, have you gone on to his TikTok and liked his stuff? I don't do that. But you should in order to get him to like our stuff back. And then maybe, maybe you should take control of that. Well, Brad, give me the login for the Brigity Bro Bobs and I'll gladly do it. I don't have that information. It's all on you, bro. But we're talking about, anyways, Herm from Herm Runs. When you told me that in the hall, and in, when I was in the grocery store, I was getting cat litter and some sweet gummies. You told me about your, your endeavor. The, the ultimate. Gummies. The ultimate. Yeah, I didn't get the ultimate, but I just got regular. But these well, are still, like, phenomenal. Then I can guarantee you, you're not going to recover as fast as I did. <laughs> cat, get down. So you think uh, you we might be demonetized because of penis nicknames? Not like long. Like Anaconda, Banana, the baseball bat, big boy, big guy, boner, bratwurst, your bulge. Bratwurst. <laughs> chode, chub, chubby, chuck but dickens. Chode a, but chode isn't your ding dong. <laughs> chuck dickens. <laughs> Cock Dick, Dickus Hilton. <laughs> I don't even know what that one is. Dingaling, Ding Dong, Disco Stick. <laughs> See, I don't think so. I mean, you dong, got a couple in there. Dong, like eggplant so- emoji in. I don't even know what those are. Brackets. Your Excalibur, your fire hose, <laughs> your Frankenbeans, your Frankenbeans. <laughs> Frankenstein. Here, here's one. The Gerald. When he can't get it up, it's a play on geriatric. The <laughs> The jerkin, the goldfinger, groin, hose, Indiana bones, the jackhammer, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, John Johnson, joystick, junior, junk, knob, knob goblin. The knob Cro- goblin. Kroll the warrior king. <laughs> That's what you call yours, Brad? So damn random. Leroy, little guy, little man, lollipop, hard on, hammer, hammer of Thor, Hercules, joystick, lollipop, long dong silver, long stick, magic mic, magic stick, magic wand, meat stick, member, mini me, Moby Dick, Mount Vesuvius, one-eyed Pete, one-eyed monster, one-eyed trouser snake, package, pecker, peen, pee-pee, pepper, pepper, pepperoncini, how do you say that? Pepperoncini? Pepperoncini? Pepperoncini. Phallus, pickle, peace, piston, prick, pocket rocket, popsicle, privates, python, rod, rumple foreskin, salami, sausage, schlong, schwans, shaft, skin flute, snake, spicy, soprasita? Sata? Soprasata? Stick shift, stiffy, third leg, Thor, tree thunk, tree trunk, trouser snake, twigginberries, Tuna can, wand, wang, wee man, weenie, wee wee, wiener, wiener schnitzel, willy, and finally, but not last, Zeus. But you forgot purple-headed yogurt schlinger. Now we're 100% demonetized. <laughs> like, these were all safe for men health, men's health, and you just went straight. You said cock in there. Yes, like a chicken. 
that's not how it's being. Then that no 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 no. It's all about the context. That there's plenty. There's there's boner bratwurst. <laughs> I don't think boner is that bad. Like you can use boner in the context that you made a boner, as in like a mistake. Dingling, ding dong. <laughs> I don't think those are that bad. Like <laughs> oh my dingling got some chafage on it. You know it's it is what it is. Like we can go super sterile with it and just be like my penis or my glands. Isn't that what it's called? The glands, glands or whatever? Glands. <laughs> Sorry. Glands. It's like a it's like a German <laughs> ding dong. I was thinking Hans like, meets glands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's glands? He's my schlong in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> We, this episode is really off to a good start, I think. Wow. From here on out, I'm calling my penis glands. <laughs> well, I try to put a little spice on it. Jeez. Hello, Helga. I want you to say hello to glands. <laughs> Friend of Hans. <laughs> this episode might need to be totally scrapped like if i actually took the time to go through and beep through like beep out what shouldn't be here holy smokes can you i'd be editing i'd be editing until the release date you're gonna have to blur the penis from the statue <laughs> across the the screen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you are real. Art. You it's have art. You have ruined this episode, Jeremy. It's I've ruined it. You decided to come up with a list of long names. From from men's health. That's it. But that's most certainly not all of them. It is No, it was just a hundred penis nicknames. Yeah, that's not it's not anywhere close to being enough. They didn't have glons on there. <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to say something else, obviously? Glans. No, I was thinking Hans and then I was like, don't say don't say glons. <laughs> so it's like a Freudian slip. <laughs> wow. So right. I was like trying desperately not to say glons, and I ended up saying it anyway. So, you know, it is what it is. It, well, it, it, caused some, it got us some laughs. I mean, I, I candidly, that has been the most important thing of this entire podcast is the like the entirety of I all get out of episodes. I think I'll we've be had honest, out of out of twenty nine episodes, this is number thirty. Yeah, I hate to say it. Reading the penis nicknames might have been the highlight of thirty episodes of recording. <laughs> I mean, do we come back next episode at thirty one with a list of our own to build off of it and say, "Hey, look here, you guys at where was it? Men's Health." Yeah, I. I feel it's best that we just let this penis go I don't know. They, they were not exhaustive at all with the number of names that they could have come up with. 
and it's time for this penis to go flaccid and be tucked away for tonight, Jeremy. You, I don't do a lot of tucking, as I can't. Okay, just go along with the planned words. It, a pun, if I you will. No, no pun. No gloss. Intended. Intended. <laughs> Why don't you catch me up on your training, Jeremy Clobber? No, Brad, I doubled. Double the number of days that I had last week. I went so from you did one two. to two. Those two mm-hmm. days, I did 20 minutes the first day. So a smidge, a smidge over two miles, right? I was like 2.2 or 2.3 miles or something mm-hmm. like that. Probably not even that in, far. In how fast? 20 minutes. I know that's the time. How fast were you running? 8.37s, I think. And then you gave me a hard time about it. Jeremy, just think of it this perspective. I pulled up a calendar today. Do not put something else in your mouth, you fucking glons. What? Hell, I'm eating anything. Yes, I can, Jeremy. All right, go ahead. Take that and just swat it right off the table. No. All right, go ahead. Do you don't take out another one? So, Jeremy, I was looking at a calendar. You've managed to demonetize us, ruin our availability to subscribers in spreading this wealth and joy to other people. You've ruined that. Now yeah. you're ruining my evening. Hi. Jeremy, how about we just start without the podcast start? Jeremy, cut it out. What is your problem? I pulled four out. I pulled four. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Go ahead. You genuinely have no <laughs> self-control. Zero. Wait, wait. Tell me and tell the viewers what it is exactly that you had to eat yesterday. Talk about self-control. Yeah. I had. So I woke up, had two cups of coffee for breakfast. Okay. Ran eight and a half miles. Okay. Then I, oh, I got a venti coffee from starbucks that's the third coffee yep and then i went to oh on the way home from levi's basketball game ordered chick-fil-a had a chick-fil-a sandwich and a large fry okay fantastic and then my calf would i really had my calf was hurting me pretty bad yesterday after my run got a significant calf calf cramp yeah right which I'm I'm 99.93% sure it was from being dehydrated. 
Because okay. the evening before, I went into the steam room. So this would have been Friday night. Steam room. No water after. No water till till the run. Till the coffee before my run. Yeah. Surely not enough water for would, an eight I would and agree. <clears throat> so calf cramp. Knew that I needed water. Knew that I needed some nutrients to nurse that that flat tire. Put some yeah. air back in it. And so ate Chick-fil-A sandwich, bottle of water, large fry. Then I had Albanese Ultimates. Not many. I would say like maybe 10 total gummy bears. Okay. That's, that's a lot. Look, that's solid. I think seven is like a recommended serving. So you had a serving. Okay. Yep. And then I had an eight count of, um, of chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. Okay. And then I had a little bite of cookie. And then I had another eight count of chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. And then I ate some, I had some more water. And then we went to, we went to Whole Foods and I bought three cases of liquid death, armless Palmer and uh, peach, whatever. Rest in peach. Rest in peach. Yeah. And then we came home and I had another eight pack of Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. And then I had another couple bites of cookie and a bunch more water bed that was it that was my whole day right there so you had 24 nuggets yep and a chick-fil-a sandwich yeah that's what's what's your point that's that's special so think think about restraint talking about restraint here right so put it in this perspective yeah Look at how little self-control I had yesterday in eating chicken nuggets, yet I am able to pull it all together for this podcast, which you can't even do that. Right. That's because I don't let go until I have this podcast. This is my moment for me to relax and unwind and and partake for gummy bears. I have a hard time believing that anybody's watching this or listening to this to hear or watch you eat. Who knows? Maybe somebody's got an eating fetish. Okay, then we should put up a paywall. Okay. We should make, like, this is going to be an OnlyFans podcast. We're going to be the only OnlyFans podcast about running. (laughs) Dude, and I, I don't mind, like, having my feet up on the table. Mm hmm. Isn't that a thing? Mm-hmm. Anyway, getting back to my running, speaking of, because you asked me about my running and I did two days. I did. Give it to two me. Two days of running. The first day you were like, you're giving me a hard time about running 837. Yeah, because then you interrupted me and I was going to give you a little lesson on I running here. You. I didn't interrupt you. I merely had myself a gummy bear. That's interrupting And look, me. you're drinking on the... Because that's significantly different. You have to, like, you have to drink throughout the day. To stay hydrated. You have to eat throughout the day to stay fed. I'm 100 percent sure you've eaten enough calories today. I I had I had a fi- two fish tacos today. I had mm-hmm. probably 15 gummy bears. 
I had some oatmeal. I mean, I mean, yogurt with some granola. Yeah. And a slice of pizza. That's quite a bit, Jeremy. I had one slice of pizza. Mm-hmm. That also was half of a large pizza. No, they it cut was it a, regular, two pieces. a regular slice <laughs> of Domino's pizza. There's no way it was as small as what you just did. No, no. I mean, it's probably longer, but it wasn't much bigger than that. Okay. Keep going. So I ran so, 830. So what, what, what are you going to talk to me about my 837? Go ahead. You go out like this every single time. You come back. Your Achilles feels worse than when you started, which is all perpetuating itself to the point that you're barely going to make it through this half marathon. No. Brad, I don't always. What do you mean? I always go out and hurt any run. How if fast it, did you run today? Eight forty-five. So you're saying pace doesn't have anything to do with strain on your Achilles? Nope. That, not, not even a little bit. Really? When you when you run on your toes, Brad, it doesn't matter if I'm running six minute pace or ten and a half minute pace. That's not true, though, because the faster you go, the more force you're putting into the ground and the more force that the ground is kicking back up into you, which in turn is more stress on your Achilles. Brad, let me tell you, the, the ground knows better than to kick anything back into me. Yeah, okay. That's, that's number one. <laughs> uh-huh. But number two, so, okay, fine. I get it. Yes, there's probably more stress than 10-minute pace. But to be honest, 10-minute pace, when I started my run, I felt my Achilles. So it's no different. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not and so going, you I'm not say, I've got to make up as much today as I can, because this might be my last run for a week, because I'm going to re-injure myself. No, because it's going to hurt regardless. That's why. I wish you mm-hmm. had a chronic issue like I have. That's been with you for, I'd say, I don't know, 25 years. And it just, it's just getting worse. Okay. Aortic stenosis. Boom. And how often has that affected your ability to run? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been to a cardiologist in a couple of years now. Exactly. Mind you, Jeremy. How many times times has my Achilles been an issue? I don't think anybody has ever died from an Achilles injury. You haven't died People have died from heart conditions. I don't discount that, but I'm saying you haven't died. But are you dead? Right. Jeremy, we have wasted an inordinate amount of time. One, talking about... (laughs) You, dude. What'd you call it? A gloss? (laughs) Glons? So, anyway, today I went out for a run. I I ran Friday, took off Saturday, ran today. I ran four miles, 35 and some change minutes, so 8.45 pace. I think it was like 8.35.02 or something like that, 01. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The entire time, I just felt awful. Just awful. So, I don't even know what to do with that. Probably because you haven't run in four weeks. I've run three times. Exactly. In six weeks. And you think you think then in six weeks, well, the third run, after taking a week off, I'm surely going to feel amazing this next go-round. I mean, why wouldn't I? I was well-rested. My watch definitely told me I was rested. Because your legs are trash right now. 
it has nothing to do with my legs. I'm just, it's been, well, at first it's been a really long week and I think that's catching up with me. <clears> like <throat> I know that I didn't really go to work, but being at home with a sick kid for more than half the week, um, not, not stressful sleeping on the couch for three nights last week. Cause Elliot was sleeping in my spot. It's not, not stressful. So you could have slept in his room. I try. I can't do it. I get too hot down up in his room. Uh-huh. So I didn't. I, so I sleep better actually downstairs, although it's not good sleep regardless. Anyway, oh. it doesn't matter. So I'm going to run tomorrow. So I'm going to get to four times this week coming up. That's the plan for this week. Get to four. Tomorrow, a nice, easy, like 20, 25 minutes. We'll see how my legs feel. If, it, if they don't feel good at all, we'll do 20 minutes. Um, run Wednesday, run Friday, run Sunday. That's the plan. So... And I'd like to have my longer, my longest, my longest day be Sunday, and have that be at forty minutes. Okay. So five five minutes longer than I ran today. Let's see what happens. We'll see what happens. So tell what about your running? It's it's going really well, Brad. I'm it has been. I, uh, you know, You've inevitably, fit really quickly. Inevitably, you kind of turn a corner, where you feel like, wow. Like, even the easy runs are feeling really good. I was uh, there before I got hurt. Yeah, I know it. Just feeling good right now. Like, I don't know what else, how else to put it. How, what kind of mileage did you hit this week? Uh, basically 30, like 29. Okay. Hey. Jesus Christ, that big cat that we just got is a menace. Mm-hmm. He bullies Eddie. So I did 29, the highest week I've had since uh, knee surgery is 30, but that was off of 70 days. So I was like, I think I was half a mile short off of six days this week. So yeah. I'm happy with it. That's good. It's all all collective. And you're running so mostly on the trails, and or, or are you still doing treadmill stuff this week? Mostly. I think it was about half and half this week. Okay. All right. So, nice long run outside. I mean, I guess eight and a half miles is a long run. It is for us, man. Yeah. Gotta take it in stride. Gotta take it with what it is. Eight and a half is a good run. So, was happy I with it. I can't wait till I get the double digits. My, like, in a week? No, I'm talking about long run. I think well, you haven't even hit double digits in a week yet. I will. I mean, I will this week. About twelve. I'll be what? Uh, I won't hit twelve. I'll probably. I'll, I'll be at like ten, mm-hmm. maybe twelve, maybe twelve. Like, let's see. If I do forty minutes, let's just say that's four and a half four miles. Four and a half. Yeah. Okay. And then two, like another five. Yeah, that's thir- twelve miles. So you'll, I'll have roughly 30%, 33% of what you're running this week coming up. You think you're going to get to 36 this week? 36? No. No. Come on, man. This will be my last week of build, I think. I don't know. Anything over 32, I think will be, be good. I think 36 is over 32, Brad. I know. Jeremy. See? I say so, some stuff. I wore I wore it on Sunday. 
man, it was so nice. Or Saturday, I wore the uh, brand new Alpha Fly 3. Uh huh. Really, really nice. Uh huh. It's called shoe doping, Brad. Of course, it's going to feel nice. It was, yeah. And so, for like being the supposed fastest shoe ever created, what, uh, like, they always come with a shoe bag for the high end Nikes. Uh huh. What do you think the shoe bag looks like for the fastest shoe ever made? Um, like one of those old 80s style shirts that is just like, you know, got all the holes in it and you can see nipples through. <laughs> and like a whole, like a big holy bag. Colors, Jeremy. Oh, you asked what does it look like? I'm giving you like description here. Um, gray. Gray. Yeah. Not like. I don't know. Maybe even the colors of the shoe or Possibly, something. That, I don't know. What, Brad, I don't keep up with the stuff because I don't wear those shoes. Something that inspires and just says speed. Orange. Red, like Lightning McQueen. Orange. Like electric orange. green. Lime green. Well, neon just, colors. Just show me. You know you want to show off your shoes. Go ahead. A Gray. brown bag. Well, it's brown. looks gray to me. That's a giant it's, bag. No, it's not. I think it's huge. No, it is not. It holds two shoes. So, so you carry your shoes around in that bag? No, this just what is what it came in. So it, that was in the box. Well, I think this segues pretty perfectly into what you wanted to talk about today. Exactly, Jeremy. Which is, which See is that? what, Bradford? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the right way to couch this. Would it be like, I'm trying to think of how it would look spelled out and just across as a thumbnail here. Would it be ethics in running or morality in running? Oh, man. Um, well, there are two different things. A moral is a standard and ethics is also a standard. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I, there are two different things, Brad. Like, I think moral as in, like, a specific internal guideline, right? And then ethics is how you, like, act according to that, right? So the but ethics... I think on the basis of this and our conversation, the two are, are a bit commingled. Um, I think it's I commingled, think, so. I think that we would go with ethics versus, like, morals right morals is like thou shalt not kill you're not going to kill somebody you're moral like high ground you're going to like right so but ethical, i'll get into it and why like, why i think that morality plays a role here one because it's how consumers work yeah so like it does your moral compass allow you like make you think about the like the ethical component of businesses People that you that you want to spend money with, people that you want to cheer for, uh, and then even the moral standard of like, if you have an opportunity, say like influencers. So yeah. I'm a, I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced that the majority of these influencers that are just like jacked to the gills running two thirty eight marathons are just like doped until their eyeballs turn green. And I don't think that your eyeballs actually turn green, but. Well, that's good. Um, that would be a dead giveaway. So I don't know that it would. 
Um, no, maybe I, I, I would venture to say that the people who are like making that their career, making that their livelihood, doing that, they, I mean, I, I, yes, 238 is fast, but I don't think it's like inhumanely, are you inhumanly fast? I think is it's, it, is it inhumanly fast for somebody that lifts like can, that is 230 pounds of just looking like the rock? Probably. Just because, like, your, like, efficiency is gone out the window with that. Yeah. That you're carrying around so much weight. So probably, but what guys do you see or gals running 238 that are 220 pounds? I, like, I guess I'm not following the right people. I think there's quite a few of them. Huh. And this, this all comes back to, I mean, I think what, I'm skipping to the end of this entirety of the conversation in the fact that if. If there's a financial incentive, people are incentivized to cheat. Oh, sure. For anything. Whatever. Yeah, right. It and, and so from, from a social media influencer that is just ripped, and so every time you see a picture of them with their shirt off or three quarters naked, like inherently you kind of stop and look and like, geez, whiz, these people are just fucking jacked to the gills. And then, yeah. they, and then you see them running a marathon. At even call it two forty. So do you think and, that they like they're actually running that time because they're juiced, or is it that they're like the the course cutters who are like finding ways around no being able, having to no, do that? I don't think that they're course cutters. You don't think that like they start a race, they they run for a little bit. There's to get, no like, way that with time. as big as some of these social media influencers are I mean, that maybe. nobody would say. Like all maybe of a sudden, they, this guy just disappeared in front of me. Maybe, maybe there are quadruplets. Right, that makes sense. That makes just sense. Just out there. Okay, go go ahead though. Obviously, I'm being ridiculous. So I'm just saying. Ultimately, we'll kind of get in this a, a bit more in detail, specific to brands. But when you talk about social media, uh, so when I was racing competitively in cycling, you had age groupers. Not national champions, not people trying for the Olympics, doping and uh, found guilty of doping, suspended by the U.S. Cycling Association to win local races. Were you one of those people, Bradford? Is that why you quit nope. cycling? Nope. So and you can say, you got, okay, you got well, pretty damn good. I got decent, yeah. So, but you could say, okay, well, like that's cycling. Cycling is an inherent dirty sport. So, but I think cycling is just the one that's singled out more than others. Sure. So I don't think that it's historically, I think if people were 100% transparent and honest, that it's more dirty than track and field is. No, I think track and field is very dirty. Right. I, have a really, I have a really hard time looking at any like specific performance, especially ones that are like heads and shoulders above what anybody's been able to do in the past. And yeah, but, that's but, but cheating, cheating in that has happened for years. Oh, so I know. Go, like, going this, all like, the way back to Lasse Viren was blood doping. Look, like the women's 800 meter world record hasn't even come close to being touched from the 80s. Like, that, like that's from Russia. What, I mean, what? of course. Yeah, but I mean, even Lasse Viren. Well, sure. Like, was that proven? I don't know. I'm not up yeah. on that. It wasn't okay. even blood doping at that point wasn't even illegal. So what was pre doing then? I don't know. Was he? Uh, 
probably beer doping. Could be. It could push some beer in the blood. makes you feel like you're not – like the pain is lessened. Away you and go. So, so from an ethical standpoint, so for people like you and me or even uh, my daughter Kira, you want to be a track and field fan. Yeah, like you, you want to be a fan of people and see people that do things what you perceive as right. That like put a benchmark out there. You know that they're working hard. Then they have results, and you want to cheer for people. Like yeah. who wants to look at at any sport and say, "Well, listen, like everybody's cheating, and it's uh, like I'm never, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to cheer for anybody." Yeah, I mean, then it would be. I mean, the sport would be lost, right? So, like, would it stand to to make? Does it make any sense at all to have like a dual league, where you kind of like they have with like bodybuilding, where you have your naturals and you have your not naturals, and you know those guys who are just freaking mass monsters, two five foot eight, two hundred eighty five pounds, are not natural in the least, but you like to see what they can do and what they can accomplish. Like those, let those people go and like do all of that. And then you got the people who are natural and you know, you can tell that they're natural is they're not nearly as, I mean, possibly not nearly as cut, most certainly not nearly as large. And you have like, you have fans of both. And they share the same, they share the same stage, but not at the same time. Okay. How different would that be? I think. And that would allow people to like, truly be like, you're right. I want to see how far my body so can that, go. I want to see how far the human body can go and just be like, cool. We know exactly what you're about and we're for it. Right. So, but don't you think because of the financial incentive of it, of it so if you bifurcate the sport where it's two divisions, you've got a, uh, like a, uh, whatever, a performance enhanced division and a clean division, which I think they have in bodybuilding. They've got like a, a natural division. And then they just have like Mr. Universe. Yeah. That's, well, that, that's what I just said. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, but if there's a financial incentive for the clean people, they're still competing. There's still a financial incentive to win. So don't you think at some point those people, I'm guessing that even in the clean division of bodybuilding, that the clean people yeah. still cheat. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, yeah. And so, And so think of it from... Even think of it like this. So um, when you and I were in college, uh, creatine was just coming out. Like yeah. creatine wasn't huge until uh, like it was in college. And in college, my freshman year, you know, like with our athletic trainers, they even warned us against using creatine. That one, it may be a banned substance at some point sooner than later. Two, there was speculation that it dehydrated you to the point that there was like, you know, like they, they're, I don't know, they picked out one person that died while he was on creatine and said like, this is a possibility for anybody taking creatine. Now, 20 years later, I think it's, it's more than statistically proven that it's, it's a normal supplement to take that has a, a benefit to you, but there's no detriment to taking it while you're a runner. It doesn't dehydrate you, doesn't do anything. All it does is help you store more water in your muscles. Well, which is good. Uh, and then at the end of our college, so that was people, people were taking that to be better. And they said, well, if it gets banned, like, we'll worry about it then. Yeah. So, and then 
uh, when like uh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa were on this thing, Mark McGuire came out and said, like, I'm not on PEDs. I'm taking uh, what was it? Deer antler. I don't remember, but yeah, it was, I th- I'm pretty sure it was called deer antler spray. <clears throat> and then everybody started on this deer antler spray shtick. And then, you know, like, and then, you know, like, people are always willing to take things, people that say that they have a moral compass of how they act, they're willing to take things that are, like, on the cutting edge until they're banned. Yeah. So, and you do this in, in, in almost every aspect from, you know, like, if you're going to run a marathon, you want to make sure that you've got a really good training pro- program that you're eating right, that you're taking recovery supplements as needed, doing a re- recovery, uh, you know, like sup, uh, you know, like foam rolling, compression boots, whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, like drinking protein 30 minutes after you finish a run to make sure that your muscles have enough protein to recover. Wearing the best shoes that you can afford to buy to run well, to cut off, you know, like all of these things in the grand scheme of things everything unless you're doing performance enhancing drugs is equating to you know like in the grand scheme of a marathon it's equating to a tiny component versus the amount of training that you do you know like what is it a a total of five percent is all of these other things five percent is pretty significant i know but so for you and i know where you're going because you're saying well okay shoes Right. Well, it's not so do you think though. that we do you think that we get a bigger benefit out of being 200 pounds and running in a carbon plated shoe or just just not eating gummy bears on a podcast no, and right. dropping 35 pounds? You're right. But Brad, let me let me stop. It's not just the shoes. It's also like a socioeconomic like standard as well. Like people can't not everybody can afford to go get their like space boots to help like recover their legs that helps mm-hmm. like all the stuff that people can afford to actually do, like- i'm i think that there's been a lot of information saying that recovery boots don't help a leg well yes what i'm saying but you get what i'm saying like if you have the means to go out and have a massage every week if you have those things and you can get a, a theragun and you can go and get the nice shoes and you can go okay. and continue to get shoes like as they need to be replaced or before yep. they need to be replaced staving off any kind of injury like all of that plays into your ability to perform at the highest standard that you possibly can versus somebody else who may be I, on a shoestring budget i think you're still finding through. small percentage points yeah, versus but a small percentage on two people who if you were to break it down are about as equal like let's just say ability wise as possible but one person makes thirty two thousand dollars a year and the other person makes five hundred thousand dollars a year and can afford to do everything that they want to do Get there, get to a race a week ahead of time to like acclimate to the weather, to like recover, to okay. rest, all that all stuff. Right. Like, all right, all right. It plays a part. So, but I would argue there are no two athletes with exact, you, it would be physically impossible to find two athletes with the exact same, whatever measurement that you're going to find, because you're going to say, okay, <clears throat> what's the metric? Say two people are the exact same ability. Right. So are they ex- are they the exact same height? Probably. Are they the exact same weight? Probably. Yep. 
and they're the same physical makeup of between upper body muscle and lower body muscles. Yep. Bone density. Perfect. Yep. All of those things, including their propensity to being injured. You and I, what we need to do is we need to adopt identical twins. Okay. Okay. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I take one and you take one and we'll see how it all pans out in that one. So if anybody has out there has identical twins that you're willing to give to us for the next 18 years, like your baby. So I don't think that it's 100% certainty that identical twins have been the same VO2 max. But we feed them the exact same, right? Uh, Well, as much as we can because I can't afford the stuff that you guys do. Oh boy, here we go. Uh Uh-huh. But like, like that's the thing. Like, I feed him well. I take care of him. Like, forget Elliot. Elliot's a lost cause at this point. He's never going to be for me, Myler. Uh huh. <laughs> and I get so, this kid, and it's just balls to the wall. So then, five let's talk about five five years old. Uh huh. We've talked about the athletes component. What about companies? So, like, how do you th- feel from from a like the ethical component of brands that you support, like Nike. Mm-hmm. And so I'll preface all of this, that I'm a huge Nike fan. Mm-hmm. So, but with that being said, uh, I don't agree with, with the ethical component of Nike. So the sweatshop labor that they've been, been called to carpet on, um, you know, like, uh, they've they've been prone to drop female athletes when they're pregnant, and uh, just saying that they're not the same performance level that they used to be. Um, you know, like I don't know. You can find another twenty things on Nike that you don't like. Yeah. So, but how different is Nike than from Adidas, which no uses known sweatshops, versus New Balance? versus Under Armour, versus any of these companies. Like, is is there an ethical, like, do you, do, is there truly a company that has an ethical component that you can say, I believe in this company implicitly? No, because I don't know the inner workings of any company. Like, they can put out a good faith. So let's, like, use, uh, you know, I did a little research. Well, and Patagonia, Patagonia seems to be, like, the one that everybody, like, like acknowledges as being one of the more ethical companies right and, and what um, makes them an ethical company that they're giving back to the communities they're donating to charity and i know people are like well it's a write-off but they're still donating to charities right so they are helping regardless so, but of the majority of all of these companies donate okay but i'm just saying that they promise to donate a certain percentage of their of their profits or of whatever it is um apparently they they try to make quality materials that are not like fast fashion right they, they don't come so, and they get worn out super quickly so, but fast, where fast are the, what, one. where are these materials being sourced from? Where is the where are the garments being made? That's right. Well, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, right? So, like, and you can't just say that um, that um, if it's made in America, that it's necessarily ethical. Because not look at, like not not in a worldwide economy where you don't know where all of the products are coming from. So, right. if, and even, if you're Apple, if, if you're Apple computers. You are sourcing products from, you might even be sourcing a product from what is a, like a quote unquote company in the United States that then is just, just subcontracting out other work to China or, you know, like wherever cheap labor is available. 
Well, think even even in America, we have not necessarily sweatshops, but we have people who are well underpaid at factories, like who are migrants. Like there are bunches of places that that use illegal immigrants to do what they need them to do at a significant significant like cost. Well, I don't think that benefit. shoe companies do that. Well, no, but it doesn't have to be a shoe company. It could be an apparel company, right? It doesn't have to be anything big. Like it doesn't have to be like a worldwide, even like worldwide, world-renowned company. It could be any small company too. It could be paying these people, you know, pennies on the dollar for what they're what they're getting. Well, let's let's look at it from this perspective. I think the most hate in the in the world of running, as far as the the ethical standpoint of companies, like the number one hated company is Nike. Well, yeah, but look, but look, everybody wants to be sponsored by Nike. Like, like if you say, "Oh, I got a Nike," not everybody, obviously, that's generalization. But like, people are striving to get sponsorships, and you're not—it's going to be hard pressed to turn down something if you're striving for it, even if it's a company that you don't necessarily represent. If that's the only one you have, I get it. So, but when you talk about Nike, so they've then put in initiatives to change their like sweatshops. That they have this uh, like ethical guideline as far as ha- having every facility that uh, you- is making Nike shoes is then audited by a third party. They have recycling initiatives, uh, all of these things. So they put all of these pieces in place. But at the end of the day, they're a business that has to compete on a price component. Like pricing is a component of that. And in a publicly traded space, margins mean more than anything in that in that the entirety of the industry and so you can take you can take like all of these cons of what nike is uh, and then you can look and you can say okay whether they mean it or not here are the good things that nike does you know nike yeah 100 percent. so you know like uh if if you look uh in the number of female athletes that they sponsor worldwide I would argue is second to none. I don't think that there's, you know, like worldwide in particular in track and field, there's anybody that sponsors more athletes than Nike. Yeah. They um they have like environmental initiatives. They have uh huge donate donations, you know, like they do uh Rainbow Pride uh specialty shoes every season. They've yeah. supported, you know, like Colin Kaepernick, they had an entire Black Lives Matter initiative when that was going on, you know, like, and so if you wanted to just focus on, like, the good components, you would say, well, listen, like, show me, show me other companies that were as as invested in things that I believe in than Nike. I get it. But they also have the funds to do it. Some of the smaller brands don't. The, as far as sponsoring more female athletes or whatever it may be, like if a smaller sure. brand, a smaller brand just isn't going to be able to do that. Could they do the initiatives with like L- LGBTQ people and do like the pride shoes or the pride apparel or whatever? Sure. They could most certainly do that. Could they give back to the community in any number of ways and, and donate and do all that stuff? Yes. Could they do the recycling piece? Who knows? Like it's expensive. Like to be able to be, to, produce those things and to gather the materials and do all that stuff. It's expensive. So to like to put that on another company that is a 1% as profitable or makes as much money as Nike. It, it's not. Okay. Like, so that company easy. that does one tenth of what Nike does, are they a more ethical or a less ethical company than Nike? 
or no, is it just a complete? Is it just an unlevel playing ground? It's an unlevel playing ground. You have to take them for what they're able to do, not necessarily what they are doing. Like if they were scaled up as a Nike would be, maybe they would be able to do more, but they can't because they have to pay, or maybe they're paying their like they have to pay employees. I mean that's what Nike does too. Like they have a ton of employees. They're offering a ton in the of US. jobs. Yeah, they're offering a ton of jobs to people. That that's a benefit. Right. But like smaller brands don't have that ability. So you can't, it's never going to be a one for one. Just like, okay. an athlete, like, like two athletes aren't going to be one for one. Like companies can't be one for one either. And so do you remember the whole, uh, Mary Kane suing Nike, Alberto yep. Salazar in the Nike, pro- Nike, Oregon project? They should, uh, Nike should sue Alberto Salazar for all the negative press that they received because of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, they backed him up until the very end. I know they did. They funded a portion of his uh, of his legal defense. Yep. Um, and then they essentially wrecked collectively because they supported Alberto Salazar because they were only success like only results oriented. Like they they literally ruined this woman's career. Yep. I remember, like she like suffered from eating disorders, mental health disorders, like all kinds of stuff and like she had a ton of like potential and i mean one of the greatest high school runners ever ever and i don't know i mean i don't even know what she's doing right now well she came back a couple of years ago and ran some really good professional races um yeah and then you know i don't i don't know if she's going to resurface you know, like around the Olympic trials or what? I mean, maybe I don't, I, you know, who knows? Like if she, the potential's there, you just got to find a way to tap into it. Right. And see where it, where it takes. But like, if you've at that level, if you miss out on like four years of training, how will you ever catch up? There you go. And her eyes will probably be green. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I, I'm just kidding. I don't mean that. If anybody's listening, I don't want to get sued. Uh huh. So I don't know. So, like ethics. But the thing, like, we can also look at, at Nike giving you a damn shoe bag inside of your. Like, how much garbage is being produced? Like, just throw okay. away. Like, how many? How many of those shoe bags do you have? Uh, I mean, a ton. Yeah, and how many do you use? Okay, so, but that's like a consumerism problem. It is a consumerism problem, but you also are driving it through, through your producing, continuing to produce the newest, greatest, and latest, and saying that you have to have it, and having all these people pushing it, and social media, and people don't think for themselves. And it's not necessarily their fault, right? I'm not saying it is, but like if people want to take a stand, stop buying so much shit. And I can't say that I'm not part of it either because I buy a ton of shit. But, like, if you truly are about the ethics of a company, like, supporting it through your continued purchasing is, like, it's a detriment to your messaging anyway. So what about a company, do you know the bracelet company Articon? I don't. So, like, if you watch the majority of, like, major international meets, you'll see at least in every race, I would say 20% of the race, they have these beaded bracelets on. Okay. 
And then there's a 99% chance it was made by this company called Articon. Okay. Now, Articon, uh, it basically, like, there's a whole story behind this, and it essentially revolves around there was a college runner who had a teammate from Kenya. He had a handmade bracelet from, from Kenya on that he liked, started sourcing them from Kenya. He's made it into a, you know, like a legitimate company where he doesn't do anything in the United States. So like you can even order custom bracelets through them. And then he sources it directly through artisans in Kenya for yeah. them to make these bracelets. Supposedly they pay fair wages in in Kenya. Uh, and then 10% of all the proceeds go back to clean wash, water initiatives in Africa. Okay. See, that sounds pretty ethical. But what, what exactly, so how much are these bad boys going for? 28, 30 bucks. And what, what is a fair wage in where they're made? I don't know. I mean, this is always the debate. Like, and this is why companies outsource because well, sure. in the United States, you're going to pay a federally mandated minimum wage and then a right. state mandated minimum wage. Like, or you could go to, you know, who knows, somewhere in Africa or China and pay 50 cents an hour. Right. And people will be happy to do it. Some people would. Right. But like, at what point do you as a company have to also say it's not just about I, I know if you're if you're traded on like, whatever, New York Stock Exchange. Have, yeah. Yeah. Like you have to get your stock here, like your people who own their stocks, you have to make money for them. But at what point do you stop saying, OK, you know, to everybody and say, let's take care of the people who are taking care of us. And maybe we don't make quite as much money, but they're also being able to put into the company as well, or they get part ownership or whatever it may be. Like they're helping you out as much as like, if not way more than you're probably helping them out. Like, so what's a fair wage? So like, if you give everybody, let's say like in Kenya, a fair wage for whatever is $5 an hour, right? Okay. So you're paying these people $5 an hour. They can make three bracelets in an hour and they're sold for $25 a bracelet, right? I don't know. Are there like, is there health insurance involved in all this? What's the overhead? I don't know all that. So I don't know how much profit. Let's just say that they're getting 30% profit. Like if you take 5% of that away and they're making 25% profit, that's still a good amount of profit and you can just put it back into the people. I so, don't know. So all of these things come down to the same thing that I keep coming back to. If there's money involved, there's an incentive to cut corners. There's an yeah. incentive to take advantage of people. There's an incentive to cheat. So, yeah. but is it from Nike's perspective? I'm really conflicted on this uh, from a moral standpoint. But so Nike takes advantage of labor in China. Correct? Yep. So sweatshops, you know, like it could be kids working in the sweatshops, which I think was the big one back in the 90s or right. in the early 2000s, uh, or just that their wages are just beyond putrid. Uh, yeah. You know, like, but is that a Nike problem or is that a Chinese government problem that the Chinese government? So in the United States, we don't allow child. We have child labor laws. Right. We have federally mandated minimum wages. We right. have, you know, like we have all of these protections for, for laborers. And so, so why, why, why is it Nike's responsibility to then govern China and say, well, listen, like you need to put in federal reg regulations, take care of, 
your citizenship. Well, I know that China is not a first world country. That's number one. I mm-hmm. think they're either third or second. I don't remember exactly what. But even if that, if you know that that's allowed to happen there, and you can, and you are, are allowing it to happen through your decision to do that, you're just as culpable as the government is. And you can, and so- you can choose to to only hire. Say, hey, I am Nike. I am in charge of this of this stuff. I'm only going to hire people who are. 16 or higher, and I'm going to pay more than your 50 cents an hour allowed. And so how do you monitor that in China? What do you, Nike, you're telling me Nike doesn't know what's going on behind closed doors? So, so you're saying that a company as big as Nike that outsources this one component to another company in China, they have to, like, is it Nike's responsibility to then have employees in China? To then, like, check they're, IDs. They're big enough to do it if they want to be if they want to be the standard of ethics to set the standard for all. Of the Why don't think Nike has ever stated that they want to be the no, standard of saying, ethics? They, you can have you can make it happen. You can't just say, "Well, look, I mean, well, I can't tell what happens behind closed doors." Yes, you can. If you're involved in the process and you're purchasing from something and you know it's not on the uh, up and up. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not entirely true. Like you're putting this all on the labor component. So Nike sources, they have to source all the material. They don't make the, they don't make the foams. Right. Those are made by chemical companies. Right. So, so you're saying they have to go and go to each company that they're sourcing something from, from thread to like fabric material to the PIBA foam that they're using in the Alpha Fly, they have to go through every single one and say, listen, you have to be an ethical company. So we don't want you charging us that much. And we want the best material. So now let's go through and I'm going to regulate your company to make sure that it meets my you know regulations. What? I bet you they have enough way to say that people would do it. No, that bullshit. No chance. You don't think so? No. You don't think so? You don't think they've no. enough to indicate that? Or they can make it just to the, the people who are working on their product, the things that they are making. It doesn't have to be country. It doesn't have to be like company wide. It can be very specific to their department. They no. can do it. They can no, they most certainly do it. If you wanted it to happen, you could do it. No, you couldn't. So what? So why wouldn't that company? So I make the Peepa foam for the like the best foam in running uh-huh. shoes. Yep. I make that foam through a chemical company. Okay. And and Nike comes to me and they say, "Listen, like we're I'm not 100% sure that your company is up to our ethical standards that okay. we hold ourselves to." So you can either revamp your entire company to meet our ethical standards. And they don't it, have to what, the entire company. Hold up, hold Baloney. They just have to revamp a part of the company. What? The part that's making their their phone. That's it. The part, Jeremy. They're all made in these giant, <laughs> like, uh, chemical factories. These aren't like oh. okay. Well, listen, we've we we only pay living wage for it's, this one tank. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's preposterous. It's also preposterous to think that they can't do it themselves. So so again, so I'm Peepa manufacturer. I'm foam manufacturer. And Nike okay. comes to me and says, you, buy like, the company. 
Jeremy, that is that is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Is it? Yes. There's Why? no way. So one, BASF for a long time was the largest foam provider in all of shoe companies. Okay. There is not one single company in the entire world that can buy out BASF. False. Name one. Um, Elon Musk. He cannot. The world's richest person cannot buy out a Fortune 20 company. No. Yep. If he liquidates, he can do it. No, he cannot. (laughs) So so they come to me. So so, but hold on. They come to me and they say, you need to do this or else we're not going to do business with you. If me as foam manufacturer, chemical company, why wouldn't I just say, well, listen, like, one, I'm just going to quit making that. So whoop-de-doo, like I can make money elsewhere in the chemical industry. Or B, that's great. You know who doesn't have our foam? Adidas, New Balance, every other shoe company. So I'm just going to sell to them. I'll knock you completely out of this and sell to everybody else. We've had an exclusivity contract. In place for all of that stuff to happen? Yeah, everybody has like exclusivity contracts for their material mix of of foams. Right. I don't, Brett, I don't know the best answer. I'm just telling you that if you truly, truly, truly wanted it to happen, you could find a way. Maybe it means you have to scale back a little bit. Maybe it means that you're no longer the Nike of your and you're the Nike of ethics. I don't know. So, but what you're saying is that Nike then has to control or own every single process of making their shoes. Yeah. Name like I that. Don't, but I'm not what I'm not I'm not saying that this is even even feasible. What I'm saying is that it's it may not be feasible in a money-making scenario. But if you truly wanted to be the be all and the end all of ethics, but you and, but you and can't you make do sure that. that everybody's doing the fair shake. You can you can't, make it happen or as close You can't as do that while going out of business. Like you can't do that I from understand. the sidelines and bankrupt. You're right, but you can make it, you could get as close to, as possible. Maybe not every piece has to be like under your control, but you could find companies who would work with you and you would work with them and they then you share a common ethic. And so and you would work w- together. Think of how complex a phone is. Now yep. shoes are nowhere this complex. No. Nope. So, but they still source from, you know, like a laundry list of, of other providers to, to get them to the final result. So, but you're saying a car company wants to be the most, most ethical and moral well, company in the world. Shoe companies. I know, but this is, you're saying, stuff. you're saying every company can do this. I didn't say every company. I said a shoe company could, or a clothing company would be even easier. If you don't make any shoes whatsoever, you're merely on company. So, like, so how, so, okay, take it to a clothing company. How does a clump, a clothing company ethically source all of their materials. They find companies that are ethically sourcing their own materials. Okay. So start with the ink that's printed on the shirts. Done. I okay. personally go out to the wild fields and only pick 13% a year of those and that grow back. And then what and machine then I, What machine are you using hands, to print? My hands. Mm-hmm. My hands. You, you see how this is like I do, Brent. it's I beyond complicated. I, I understand. Maybe you don't need anything printed on it. So uh, this is going to be one hell of a running clothing company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's called the No Name Running Company, and it like it's not there to put a name out. It's there to give you. So it's no performance fabrics. It's, it's basically yes, it's definitely performance fabrics. Like, it's gonna last forever. Like hand hunted deer hide. It's, is it gonna be expensive? Yeah, but so is everything else nowadays. So is it? Uh, I think for many people it is. When you're when you're looking at an average pair of running shorts running somewhere like 50, 60 bucks, I think that's pretty damn expensive. Okay, and so your ethical standpoint is that I want to create like high performance running shoes that people can afford, like mm-hmm. anybody can afford. Yeah, I didn't and, say anybody. And, Sometimes and they, you have to hold sacrifice on, that hold, anybody. And they last a long time. Okay. I know you're not going to make a lot of money if they last forever because that's shoes and you need people to continue to buy. I right. get it. But you could make a pair of shoes that are, I don't know, really good and are not $250. And how are you going to do that while sourcing this through ethical wages and not no, using no. sweat plants? You're, asking, you're putting me on the spot and I have no game plan in play. But to say that it can't happen is just silly. No, I actually implicitly believe that it is physically impossible in a global economy to do anything even remotely close. The Why does it have to be global? Because you have to source things on a – everything United is a global States economy. Okay. Not US. Again, so – so the ink, where is the ink coming from? And then the machine that you're using for any of this, where is that machine in each of its parts manufactured from? America. In what plants, Jeremy? Who? I don't know the plants and what they make. I know one plant, they, they use photosynthesis to create energies so that they can grow. That's the plant that I know. <laughs> Brad, look, I never said I have all the answers, and I never said that it's even logistically feasible, but so, you can become more ethical. You can stop, like, stop what? Like, not paying your employees or, like, whatever it may be. Like, well, again, none of these are Nike employees. They're subcontracted employees. I'm aware, but you could find another, you could find it, you could, and would it potentially lead to increased prices? Sure. But you could find a, a manufacturing plant that would do the things that you want them to do that don't hire four-year-olds to go over there and get smushed by a machine. Well, again, that those days have passed so that everyone, Maybe. the Nike plants is audited. Oh, see there, it's already on, it's already started. I'm still like, do I wear Nike stuff? Sure. I've got plenty, but are they my like number one go-to brand nowadays? No. Why? And it's not necessary. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of it is like the perception that I hold of them, like that the fact that they are not as ethical as they could possibly be. So I don't know. And I don't like their gear as much as I normally like, as I like some other gear. So part of it's that too. And so is the best that you can hope for is that like the, the good pieces of a company outweigh the shitty ends of it. That's all you can ever ask for. Like, I would I would venture to say that's for human beings as well. Like I, there's not one single human being out there who's, perfect in any way shape or form but you well, like acknowledge that they're the, you accept their best values don't and that, that they outweigh their negative values well so, so this is around- this is the Lance Armstrong debate yeah so Lance Armstrong ran like the biggest doping scheme 
in mm-hmm. in U.S. cycling hit or in worldwide cycling history, yep. including ruining people's careers, outing mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. winning you know Tour de France title after Tour de France title, enriching himself. Yep. You know, like candidly from from every stretch of the imagination, from from what you hear, just a complete asshole. Yeah. So like he he would burn you down to the ground. He would call you a liar. He would say he would get be, have you kicked out of the sport in totality so that you couldn't make money. And yep. so the people that what? that hold the people that that impacted is a, the smallest sliver of society that you could possibly imagine. But he has the Livestrong Foundation. 100%. And so does the good that Lance Armstrong did supersede the, you know, like the hundred people in the cycling industry that he ruined their lives? I mean, it's based on experience. I would venture to say that if they could look at it objectively, the people who he shat on, right? If he could, if they could look at it objectively, like, well, it really sucks what happened to me, but the benefit to these people who are like, battling cancer with all the research that's going on, all of the benefits that have happened. I'm glad that it happened, like, that Livestrong's there. But did that have to happen for, like, another organization potentially to come up instead of Livestrong to do something similar? I don't know. Well, right? so I, so I'll, ma- I'll make two points with that. One, uh, it's not just the Livestrong Foundation. It's even the story of of hope. Like, I remember when Livestrong was going going haywire, with uh with the yellow Livestrong bands oh, yeah. uh while we were in college my mom was battling cancer at that point and it was just the fact that there was so many people that even if they weren't directly impacted by the Livestrong foundation that got to look and say wow like this is a story of hope right so but if I'm the athlete that gets burned by him say a Floyd Landis or whoever the next person is that basically just has their entire career ruined, why wouldn't I be sitting there saying, well, listen, like, that's great that he did. I'm, you know, like, I'm eternally thankful for everything that Livestrong Foundation has done. But what would I have done? Like, I had ambitions. I could have started, a, you know, like, my own charity on my own if, if I was allowed to grow and mature in the, in the sport that I love. But you don't have to grow and mature and support that you love in order to start a foundation. But you need a platform. But but do you think Lance Armstrong was going to have a platform without cycling? No, but I'm saying that he might not. But people start foundations for all sorts of reasons that are quite successful without having to be the top, top, top of the top cyclist. I know, but like it's a platform to start with. Yes, but you don't need it. Okay, so go out and start the new Livestrong and see how well it goes. I'm not going to start the new Livestrong because there's already a Livestrong. I have thought. I know, start the next one. I have thought about a specific organization that's geared toward like the college admissions process. I think that it's flawed beyond flawed and I like things need to be fixed in it. Okay. But I don't know even where to start. I have a lot of ideas. But I bet but I, you I bet you would know where to start if you were the biggest cyclist in the world. Because I have the resources, yeah. Exactly. But I bet you that so if I like these th- the platform isn't the end all be all, but it's a shortcut. Well, sure. 
but shortcuts aren't necessarily beneficial either. Sometimes they don't they they don't pan out as well as you think they're going to. Okay, okay so just put it in the just in like the drugs, fact of good drugging, luck. That that's that's a shortcut, right? But it, look at it just from like call it good luck that I happen to be the world's best basketball player. I okay. happen to be like, and candidly, those people work really hard. So, but to be the world's best basketball player, chances are you probably need to be born six foot five with a vertical leap of 36 inches at a minimum. Yeah. Like they, those people didn't do anything to develop being born six foot five with a 36, but they 36 had to have inch. The work ethic. Oh, okay. To get there. I, I get that. So that is the lucky component. So yeah. don't just say, well, listen, it's a shortcut. It's a lucky component to provide you a platform to do something that you're passionate about. Fair enough. So in everybody, if you develop this this college admissions piece, you will need, like you can attribute that to 10,000 pieces of luck, no matter how successful or unsuccessful that, that endeavor is. If that yeah. becomes the world's leading college admission piece, and it's worth 16 trillion dollars there there is no doubt that there will be more luck involved with that than just say hard work no i don't discount that because like the right people have to be involved and all that stuff and you have to find like you said the right platform it's true but it doesn't have to be that you start off as the top person to build that platform i mean it it would probably take a lot longer for sure i might be dead before it even comes off the ground so well, and there's a reason when you're starting something, you find spokespeople that have a platform. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you're, look, you are the business person. I am merely an ideas person who doesn't ever follow through on anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I don't, I, I mean, I, so to surmise this conversation, like I don't, I want the availability until Nike gives me a reason not to like Nike. Okay. To like Nike. And yeah. I I have the option to acknowledge their flaws while also commending them for the good things that they do. And then just say, I like it. Just the same way that people like athletes that you're pretty sure are cheating. Yeah, I mean it's true. So, like, I mean, you have- why would you want to live your entire life saying, "Well, listen, like my mor- my morality clause." I remember, I remember specific to Chick Fil A. Chick, do you remember that five years ago or whatever yep. the whole Chick Fil A? I mean, my, my sister in law still refuses to eat Chick Fil A because of it. Okay, and so so my argument, I I remember this vividly. Boycott them. It it the boycott didn't last that long because they changed their their donating habits essentially right. overnight. So, but what's the point of boycotting them if then when they change, you say, well, I'm still not going. Right. I mean, then what purpose was your boycott? Right. I get it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, like you're, you're asked, you're start doing a boycott so that they change the habit that you don't like. And you have to like be willing to forgive. hundred percent. And forget. I don't know about forget. I don't think you have to forget. You don't, you don't want them to go back, right? Like you don't want them to like change to like smooth over the waters and then be like, ha like let's start sneakily like going back our old ways. You need to well, make sure that they, you hold them accountable. So don't forget. I think one of the things that I always hear in this 
the context of that exact conversation, even with Nike, they say, okay, well, yes, Nike changed their habit. You know, like there's no more child labor involved in their sweatshops. Like, unfortunately, they're still involved with sweatshops or Chick-fil-A changed that their donation habits and who they associate with. But they don't really, they didn't, no one really changed their mind. Like this was all a publicity stunt so that to get consumers back. So, which I think is just the shittiest argument in the world. So you'd rather, you'd rather them, like, what is the end goal? You know, like you can't change the way that people feel. So, but you can change how they spend money. You can change their actions through, through boycott. Yeah. So, so what people are like, I hear this all the time. They say, well, it, like they didn't really change. They just changed the way that they spend money. Well, that's the fucking goal at the end of the day. Like that's you right. can't, you can't make somebody that's racist, not racist, but you can make it that they don't own slaves anymore. You can, you can still like, I mean, I'm not boycotting Nike. I'm not boycotting anything, but you could still like find other things that you enjoy to spend your money on like i don't like i don't know i don't know i don't like chick-fil-a you you're spending plenty of money at chick-fil-a with your chick-fil-a just yesterday sandwich. just yesterday yeah. yeah i mean i love their milkshakes like their peppermint milkshake during the winter time is just the bees knees.com backslash awesome but i don't know like <laughs> i don't know i i just i'm just not a big fan of nike Okay. Because they don't make wide is, platforms. Is it because you don't fit in their shoes? Well, I think it's half of it. Like, it, that's a convenient way when the shoe doesn't even fit to say, <laughs> I don't like their shoes. I like their shoes, though, um, to be honest. The peg has always been, like, the not the gold standard because there's nothing golden about the shoe, but it's it's a workhorse for me. Like, I know if I, had to go, if I go pick up a peg, I know it's going to work. Okay. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the width that I need. It's not gonna be too soft. It's not gonna be too firm. It's gonna like it's just gonna work. It, it, there's no bells and whistles to it, but it's just one of those shoes that you I can put on every single day and know that I'll be okay. So I do like the peg. And look, do I wear Jordans? Sure. Do I get myself Nike Dunks? Yeah. Do I like rock the cool things? Of course I do. But it's just because I want to be cool. I'm living my like young life. I still don't believe that their ethics are as good as they could be. Oh, so, but do you think that their ethics are less than New Balance? Or pick probably. said shoe company? I would probably say less. Yeah. You don't want to know why? You know how ultra patriotic I am, right? Yep. Made in the USA, baby. And they have so New Balance has like one pair out of a hundred shoes that is made in the USA. They they have and it's like, yeah, it's like the dad shoe. Their... It's the lawn mowing yeah. like nine ninety or whatever. The, yeah, well the nine nineties are like apparently they're the new kick as well, Brad. I don't know okay. if you're up on it. So are you gonna go run the it. grandma's marathon in them? No, not at all. Those things are in the su- gray suede and blue. <laughs> Dude, those things are bricks. <laughs> No, but I don't know. I, I I guess what I'm saying is I'm not beholden to any one company. And if one company is, comes that comes out that says, "Hey, we're like 
they're awful, like doing these crazy bad things. I have no qualms about like kicking them, kicking them out of my rotation for at least a short period of time. And even if they like rectify the things, I, I won't forget. Like you said, I don't know. Like it depends on how bad they were. Will I forgive? Like, I'm sorry. If you're a child rapist and you change your ways, I'm not ever going to be okay with you. Yeah, but that's a person. That's not a company. You don't know what a company is doing. <laughs> this is not something to joke about. But aren't companies considered to be people in like the scheme of politics? No. They're they're entities, right? They're able to okay, do whatever. Yeah, an entity. You are not an entity. I am an entity. You're a person. Who happens to be an entity? And your donation limits is significantly less than a corporation. I mean, yeah, because of what they want to happen. Who knows how much money I'm worth, Brad? I mean, I do. The bank does. They okay. come knocking at my door. I'm going to be sitting on a pile of money. What does They're that have to out? do with donations that an individual can make versus a corporation? Well, that's because of the the uh, the laws, the way they're set up. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying anymore. I don't either. I'm tired. Um, like, we're talking about politics. Who cares? Okay. Well, Jeremy. Brad. I think the simple solution here is there's no right answer. Like, the, there, the, no world, the world is a complicated and messy place, no different than individuals are. Right. Although, Cotopaxi does a thing where they take, like, the leftover pieces and odds and ends of, of other companies, like, materials, and they formulate their own, like, stuff with it. I think that's pretty cool. It is. People can do really cool things that come from unethical places. Yeah, but they're making it more ethical through their, like, not going out and having to procure, like, brand new everything. Reusing. Reusing is ideal. Reusing is good. Okay. So did, have you seen that Nike has an entire, like, weight kit now with, like, bumper weights and everything that's made out of recycled rubber and plastics from that. shoes? Did you see that Brooks has a recycled, re like shoe program where the, like you can pur purchase lightly used shoes we've talked about it i think in episode five the hell look at you hearkening back with specifics i just huh. threw out five i really don't know <laughs> but i know that we <laughs> but talked that's about pretty it. cool too like if a shoe doesn't work and there's really no no like fault with the shoe like put it back out there because what happens is like if you if a shoe doesn't work at, at, at running companies, right? Running shoe stores. If a shoe doesn't work, you just bring it back. And they're like, okay, sweet. Uh, we'll send it back to the manufacturer. And the manufacturer is like, okay, well, they're, they're used now. We can't sell it back to the thing. What are they doing with it? I mean, that's a perfect solution. So isn't that just a way for Brooks to make more money off of shoes that have been returned well, they have to them? To, well, it's not more money because they have to refund the money back to the company. So they're, they're, okay, they're, but that's that was a product, so they have their refund policy, yep. which they have one of the best refund policies in the entire game. They I do. think it's a 90-day return policy, like you, and yep. you can just wear them for 90 days and then return them for a new pair. Hey, don't tell people that because then Brooks will go out of business. I, I realize, but that is the policy. Yeah. And so Brooks... That shoe now is lost. Like that revenue is completely lost. Mm -hmm. And now they've found a way 
for that lost revenue to be turned into some money. But Brad, they're not selling those beat down shoes that have 400 miles on them. I, I understand. But if you return a shoe because it doesn't fit, th that money, this is the only way that they can capitalize again off of that shoe. How are they capital? I mean, they have to possibly, but I don't see them making money off of this scenario outside of the original purchase, like the original purchase, because they're selling it at a, at a discount. So they're refunding the person or giving them I, a brand new pair. I get it. So, so right. So the person A yeah. buys the shoe, whatever, yeah. the, whatever the Brooks shoe is, a glycerin. They yeah. buy it for $140. $150. Okay. Then returns it lightly used. Right. 30 miles on it. They took it Brooks, out for a week. It Brooks predating this program made $0 on this and now lost because they give them another shoe, correct? Right. Right. So now this shoe that like they sold it for 150 but their their margin that's probably a $40 shoe or less to Brooks. Uh, let's just say 40 bucks. Okay. So well, let's make it easy 50 bucks. So it's 33%. Yeah, let's just make it 50 so it's all even. Okay. Okay. So this shoe was worth $50. Now, you know, there's still $50 up in giving them another pair of shoes. Correct? They've now because invested they $100 into $150 of shoe to this person. Okay. But they're still, but they're only at 33% instead of 66% profit. Correct. For this okay. one customer. And right. now this shoe that they previously did nothing with. Right. Gets sent back to Brooks and they sell it for how much? 120. Okay. So they turned a shoe that was worth nothing into $120 a margin. Yes, but they're not making as much from that shoe. Like so yes, but they're making that yes, I, they're I making a hundred and twenty-five percent more than without the program. I understand. Yes, you're right. They are making more they're making more money back. It's probably because they were eating so much that they had to find a way to recoup some of that loss. Well, I think it gives a, I, I think there's probably like a giant narrative there that one, it just boosts their bottom line. Yeah. Priority number one. Number two, they get people into Brooks that couldn't afford to be Brooks and you right. hope to then build a lifetime customer. So if you sell it to them at a, at a decreased margin, and they really like the shoe and they buy another one that they were never going to buy your shoe to begin with. Win, win, yep. win. All right. Yeah. And that makes sense. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I don't, it's not like they're like reap, like they're not selling two pairs of shoes for the price, like, like one pair of shoes for the price of two. They're selling two pairs of shoes for the price of one and three quarters. I get that, but there's margin built I into that. I get it. So in the, like, Predating this program, all it was was a pile of trash on their floor. I bet that, you they donated that trash, whatever it was, or recycled it or did something with it. Okay, so from an ethical standpoint, wouldn't it make more sense if they just kept donating those lightly used shoes instead of selling them for a better profit? Yeah, but then what happens? Maybe they're able now with this new program to hire more people because they're making more money. Okay, what about all the people that were in Brooks 
that could never afford it. And that's their only pair of running shoes that they've ever gotten in their life because it was just donated to them. Now that doesn't happen. I'm sure that they still donate shoes, Brad. I bet you there are shoes that are defective that are too used to sell back at, and that's okay. Yeah. My still- point is that this was a financially driven decision. Is it a good Maybe. decision? Like, yeah, I think it's a what, great decision. Everything but you that can't they look at the motive. You have to like the, again. It's like that. You can't look at the motive. You have to look at the purpose. Like, what is the what is the cause effect relationship here? Who cares about the motive? Okay, but the cause effect was actually better when they were just donating the lightly used shoes to people who couldn't afford them in the first place. What makes you think they were just donating? Maybe they had like you just told me that. I didn't say that. I didn't know that they were. I said they could have been donating or recycling or whatever. I didn't know that. I don't know what they were specifically doing. I would venture to say that they donated some. I would venture to say they still donate some. Sure. So. Just not the ones that they can sell and make money on. Okay. And are there a company? Don't you want people to be able to pay, pay other people to do stuff? Well, they operated before without having to do that. But maybe now they're a publicly traded company and they have to like sell more shoes. I don't know. I think they're owned by private equity, but who's counting? You, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeremy, this has gone on way too long. It has. You're right. I think I think part of it was because of how ridiculous you were at the beginning of this podcast. Some might say it was the best part of the podcast. I would. I bet you people get past the fun part. You're like, oh god, <laughs> ethics and running. Count me out. Snooze fest. I think you need to put the penis as part of uh, as the thumbnail for this one. <laughs> Ethical, or is it art? <laughs> Good. You are. You are truly. I wouldn't be surprised if you start just cheating from here on out. I mean, I'm going to have to do something to catch up with you, Brad. It's not going to happen. I mean, at some point, diminishing returns, right? Like, at some point, your fitness is not going to go up as quickly as mine will. So I will catch up at some point. Like, it'll start – it'll be like mine will be going up and yours will be plateauing a little bit. So I'll catch up a little bit. But but then I fit into shoes that make me faster, according to you. You I mean, Brad, you can't discount that. You can't discount the – that I'm in a completely different age group than you. I do. That's why I, I get 10 minutes for the Boston, but that's not, that was not part of our, that was not part of our, our agreement. Cause you wouldn't give it to me despite the fact that because I'm rightfully entitled it, I to such. I don't think you're three years. Okay. Well, I don't think that my shoes help you help me you more than you. Three years indicates 10 minutes. Yes. That is ridiculous. It's a fact. Three years does not indicate 10 minutes. It, it does. You're ridiculous. Look no, at the qualify. I'm going to pull up all the metrics for our next run. You do that. Age group qualifying. And if there's, if at 45 years old, all of a sudden they're like three times the other age groups, I'll give you 10 minutes. Sick. Okay. Three times. So three times. Three times. So it's just like, you know, like 500 people, 500 people, 500 people, 2,045 to 50. And then it just goes right back down. 
But you can't say that 10 like, does it go 10 minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Is it 3.30 at 50? I don't know. They, there's a mathematical equation why they're coming up with these times. I understand, and I know smarter people are working on it or have worked on it than I have, but I'm, I find it hard to believe that 10 minutes in three years, 10 minutes in one year. So you're saying the person who's 44 should be able to run 10 minutes faster than somebody who's 45. Well, I'm guessing if you looked at that curve, that so at the each age group, the youngest end of that five-year span is the most qualifiers and it decreases well, I mean, that makes and, the, sense. and then it, that makes it keeps sense. doing that curve. That makes sense. But that's dumb. So you're, I mean, it's skewed toward the young. Of each age group. Yeah. But it's still skewed toward the young. Okay. Either way, oh. it's skewed towards you versus me. Not skewed toward me. It's way harder for me to get it than it is for you. Jeremy, that's not true. It is true. It's not. It's coming from a sub three hour marathon or to somebody who hasn't broken 315. So, right. And you're yeah. saying that because you've never qualified, that it's harder for you than me. Obviously. Even though that a couple of years ago, like at some point, we'll be in the same age group. Yep. And I'll say, I but I'm at, the, I'm at the bottom end of the age in I that age wait. group. I can't wait to run the same age group again. I'm going to crush. I'll still be entitled to my time. As will I. And I'm going to sit there and I'm like, no, my time between you and me. I'm going to look, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to just run on your shoulder the entire time. You're going to look, turn back to me and try to talk to me. And I'm going to be like, and I'm I'll Mm -hmm. kick you. Okay. Anyway, guess what, Brad? I don't even want to hear it. You've, Upset? You've disappointed me today. I don't care. You're you're looking for a love you, but you're not getting it from this. Not I'm from this mouth. You I love you, Bradford. You know that penis was just happened to be right at that same spot. Not on my, not on my screen. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was right there. Yeah, but I, my, I but wish it came screen, across screen. My face is not right there. It's over here. Okay, Jeremy. Yeah. Bradford. Love you, bud. Love you, bud. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) See ya.